I'm Kara, and welcome to the Purpose Driven Mom podcast. Here at A Purpose Driven Mom, I believe in parenting with intentionality, but remembering the grace that God gives us to make things new every single day. I know that mom life can be hard and stressful, and it sometimes feels out of control, but here at A Purpose Driven Mom, the goal is to help you create systems and routines to just feel less overwhelmed, more in control of your time, your parenting, your life, and have more joy in your home. Mom life is hard enough. Don't do it alone. Welcome to The Purpose Driven Mom Show. All right, it's time to jump into the review of the week before we get to the episode. I want to let you know I definitely batch record my episodes. It's one of the time management techniques that I teach women in the 15-minute formula. But I am making these review of the weeks separately because I really do want to make sure that I'm honoring the people that are still continuing to leave reviews. Don't forget, though, once I get to 50, I will be doing a giveaway for an Amazon gift card. And if you've left a review, then you are already in the drawing. And as of right now, we're at about 28. So I'm hoping that after this week's episode, I'll be able to give away this $25 Amazon gift card. If you are picked as the review of the week, you need to send me an email at a mom at gmail.com. And you get access to my office hours that are exclusive only for the Purpose Driven Mom Club for the week you get to join us. Office hours is a time where I do some personalized coaching and we will talk back and forth on a walkie-talkie app all about what your goals are and where you're at at the moment and how I can help you. So thank you to everyone who's left a review and who's subscribed, it means so much. This week's review of the week is Budget Analyst. She says, necessary for busy women. I found Kara through a Trello training course and picked up great wisdom and knowledge for more than just Trello. I binge listened to the podcast today and I planned a month of meals while doing it. But I didn't just plan the month. Through the tips and tricks I learned this summer from the Trello course, I planned my meals for the entire summer. Thank you so much, Budget Analyst. I appreciate that. The Trello course, you can find it at leagueofextraordinarymoms.com. Me and Elisa, who was the guest on last week's podcast, we created this course together on how to simplify your family life and your family routines with the free app called Trello. So you can check that out. Um, but that was exactly what I wanted to hear. I'm so happy that you not only did you listen, but you did something at the same time and you took action right away. That is what I hope for each of you moms who listen, that you take action and you just go above and beyond to maximize your productivity. So thank you so much for leaving a review and don't forget to head over and subscribe and leave your review. So maybe you can be picked as this week's review of the week. We're gonna jump right now into this week's episode on how you can create a reading culture for your home. Enjoy. Let's dive into our episode today talking about how to create a reading culture in your home, why it's important, how you can find time to read for yourself and encourage it in your kids. My goal here on this podcast is not just to talk about theory or feel-good things, which I'm definitely going to throw some motivation in there along the way, but I want to focus with the angle of what is a routine or a system that you can have in your home that just makes things easier for you and your family and allows you to do what aligns with your priorities. And reading is one of those for me. I absolutely love reading. I am actually a reading specialist. Well, I have my master's in reading and I have my certification to be a reading specialist. I never actually became a reading specialist, but I was a special education teacher and I did teach reading and literacy skills. So I've used all of the stuff I'm going to talk about today. I've used it in the classroom. I've talked about it with parents and it's just something super important to me as well. As a kid, I love reading. Reading was my refuge. It was the place I would go when I felt alone. It was the place I would go when I felt lost, when I wanted entertainment, when I felt like nobody understood me. Reading was, it was it for me. And it was a hobby that I had up until probably when I started teaching. And that's super sad to say, 
But when I began teaching, my schedule was crazy. I didn't have any time for me. I really got lost in being Miss Cam. Like, I, that's who I was, you know, and, and that's who I thought I had to be. And it was just work, work, work. I found that I wasn't giving myself enough time to actually sit and read what was enjoyable to me, but I knew I needed to do something. So towards the end of my teaching career, when I started with Beachbody and got into entrepreneurship, I was pointing in the direction of self-development and I started to do personal growth reading, listen to a ton of podcasts, and reading came back into my life after, gosh, maybe like five years of just, I didn't read anything. I think I read the Harry Potter series when it came out because I loved it and then that's about it. I, I don't think I read much when I was teaching in the beginning. Personal growth came back into my life and it absolutely changed my life, hands down. I used to think that personal development and personal growth was like super woo-woo, like everything was Tony Robbins clapping in the car, telling yourself you're awesome, which I've seen Tony Robbins live and he's awesome and you should totally do it. But not all personal growth is like that. And you can find what you need. And so I found this outlet with personal growth and self-development that got me back into reading. And then after I had kids, I realized I wasn't doing anything but personal growth reading. I was reading a lot of mom books and parenting books and, you know, just motivation, but I wasn't reading fiction, which is something I loved. And last November, I was talking to a friend of mine, and it was right around the time we both applied for jobs at Barnes & Noble, and I said, you know, I haven't read. Like, I really haven't read fiction or something for me, my own joy, in forever. So I asked on Facebook. I got a bunch of recommendations, and the book uh, was by Ruth Ware. It was Girl in Cabin 10, and it hooked me again. And I remembered why I loved reading. I thought, oh my gosh, I absolutely love reading fiction. I got lost in it. I think I finished it in a week and I said, okay, I'm back. And so this January, I made a goal for myself to read a ton. I knew that if I didn't track it, if I didn't make a system, if I didn't make a routine, it wouldn't happen. And I know sometimes people can think like, I don't need a system and a routine around everything. You don't when it becomes a habit. But until you get that internal motivation to make something a habit, you need external things to get you there. You need a chart to track it. You need a place where you're writing down books you want to read. You need public accountability. Eventually, it will become internal. You won't need all of the external to get you there. But while you're growing that growth muscle of a habit, why not reward yourself? Why not track it? It's what helps you actually make moves and get things done. So when January hit, I decided I am going to read two books a month. Now, this was big for me. I had read two books in all of 2018. So to read two books a month, I thought was kind of crazy. But I went and I broke down that goal. And I said, well, what is this going to look like? How am I going to create this reading habit for myself? And I said, all right, two books a month, 24 books. That's easy to break down. I know that I can get this done. I knew that in the Purpose Driven Mom Club, which is the membership site for moms that I run, we do a book club. So I knew that I was going to be accountable to reading one book a month because I was going to host a book club on it. So I had to. And then I said the other book was going to be fiction. It was going to be something for me. And if I wanted to read other stuff in between, I would. And it's now June. We are in the sixth month of the year and I have finished 25 books. Is that crazy? 25. Uh, most of them have been actual paper books, uh, but I would say four have been audio, and I'm still super impressed with that. I know that I actually could probably get a lot more audiobooks in, but I listen to so many podcasts that it takes a lot of hours. I probably listen to two hours, maybe three hours of podcasts a day. And if that was three hours of an audiobook, I could bang out a couple audiobooks every few days. But I, I like podcasts, I like having something different. And so 
I made this goal. It's halfway through the year. I'm super proud that I've achieved it. And now it's time to look back and say, well, what did I do to get there? Because not only has reading become the norm, my family knows my reading routines. They see me with books often. But it's also been a great way for me to start getting reading happening for my entire family. Now, not everyone in my family loves to read, but I'm going to share with you today how I work to cultivate a reading culture in our home, even when people don't want to read, even when reading becomes my thing, even when you have two kids who can't read. What can you do to have systems and routines to make reading a priority? And and why is it important? Why does it actually matter? So, I mean, we know this, but I'm just going to repeat it. What we model for our kids, that's what they're going to do. It's going to become a lifelong habit for them. If they don't see you reading, well, they might not see the importance of reading. I have a ton of memories of my dad reading books. And me and my sisters joke because I don't have a ton of memories growing up. Like, I don't know where they went. They mention things all the time. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I vividly remember my dad with stacks and stacks and stacks of books. That stands out to me. My love of reading came from seeing my dad's love of reading. Right? I, I've seen that and I knew that it was something he really enjoyed. It was his escape. It was his fun. And I wanted that to be something for me. So our kids will see it. We will model these habits for them if we help them get there. It's the same thing like any other habit that if our kids see us working out, they're going to see exercise. If our kids see us having self-care, they're going to know that's important. It's the same with reading. But did you know that by the age of three, kids have learned thousands of words that shape their vocabulary, their grammar, their speech thousands of words. Our kids hear us talking all the time, and I'm sure if you have little kids, you know that they repeat everything you say. I hear things come out of my daughter's mouth, and I'm like, oh, I should not have said that. Um, And I knew that it's something I I shouldn't say. Even, I think I said, oh, shoot, the other day, and she started saying it, and hearing it come out of her mouth so innocent, I was like, oh, no, don't do that anymore, Kara, don't do it, because I don't want her repeating it. But they hear us talk. The speech really matters. They learn vocabulary, but hearing us read is another way. The more your kids read, the more they connect with books, you're also giving them this avenue and this gateway to see connections that they may not see in their everyday lives, to learn about the world and what other people think, and to see characters that they might not see in their normal day-to-day that they can relate with on different levels. And it helps create that world understanding for them and be a great place for them to escape when maybe they're feeling lost as well. And not to be too statistical on you right now, but I was reading, and this was from the United States Department of Education, um, that children who are read to at least three times a week by a family member are almost twice as likely to score in the top 25% in reading compared to children who are read to less than three times a week. And no standardized tests, they're not the be-all and the end-all, but it is proven that the more kids hear reading, the better they do in school and the more learning that they're able to grasp. It's so important to read to your kids. That is the one thing I just, I really try to share with parents and encourage them to read as much as possible, not only to have them see you read, but to read to your kids, to create routines, even when they're in your belly, when they're infants and you're like, you're just sitting around like a potato sack, like you're not doing anything. Read to them anyway. I remember my daughter, when she was a newborn, I would want to get my personal growth reading in. We were reading the Energy Bus, uh, that book, and I sat there and I read it out loud to her and she had no idea what was going on. But it made me feel good to know I was putting those things into her ears and she was hearing them and who knows what she actually absorbed. But the more I talked to her, the more that I know I can help her brain develop. And especially when your kids are little, their brains are so impressionable and 
just primed to learn. That's why so many schools are teaching two languages in kindergarten because that's when our brains are at the place where they can take so much in. So know that not every kid is going to love reading, but at least it lets you model the importance of it and it helps foster their own love of learning and hopefully you get to do something you enjoy. I will tell you my 12 year old does not love to read. It is not something he enjoys. Reading is my thing. But I'm still going to share it. I'm still going to have him see me read. I'm still going to share books with him. I'm still going to try my best to bring books home. Even when he's like, why are you keeping bringing books home to me? I don't want to read them. I'm going to try because it's not about perfection. It's about intention. And my intention is to just get books in front of him. So, you know, my kids don't love reading too. And, and maybe you can relate with that. So just know that it's always a work in progress. But the more that you can create these routines, the better it can be. One of the reasons that I also am just huge on reading is that it takes them away from all the technology all of the time. I've shared this before, but like my kids just, they become zombies when they see the TV. They start copying behaviors that they see on TV, speaking in a certain way. Uh, my three-year-old gets extra sassy when she sees, you know, characters acting a certain way on TV. Now, listen, I'm not tech-phobic. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. It does teach her things. She plays a little bit more imaginatively with her toys after she's watched a show. We were painting once, and she said, oh, let's put the red and the blue together to make purple. And I was like, oh, did you learn that at school? And she said, oh, I learned that on PJ Masks Toys, which is that one of those YouTube things where the kids play with the toys. I was like, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe like you learned that from there, but they do. So we limit the tech, but I just think that there's so much power in letting them use their imaginations. If, if you don't give them time and create pockets of time in your day for them to use their imaginations, they won't use them, right? It's the same if you learn a language and then never use it again. You don't use it, you lose it. So if you constantly are having distractions on in the background, how many times have you tried to talk to your kids and they're like, uh-huh, 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 or not listening at all, because the TV's on, right? We have tantrums in our home. If I don't turn the TV on, it happened tonight before bed. I didn't turn on the show that my daughter wanted me to turn on, and it was a huge tantrum. And that's when I can tell she's getting too much tech because then the tantrums happen. So I just think it's really key to give quiet and white space and white noise out there so that kids can use their imaginations give them opportunities to read, you keep books everywhere. We have books in every single room of our house. I try to keep a little bit of box of books. We just had some in the bathroom when we were potty training that we took out. It's important to have books for the kids to play with, to see, and to read. I try to keep one in my diaper bag everywhere we go. The more they see it, the more they're exposed to it, the better. But before we dive into how we can help enhance this in our kids, I want to stop, pause, and talk about you. I want to talk about how you can find time to read, how you can create a reading culture and do something that brings you joy. And I will say, maybe you don't love reading, like I know not everyone does, but I will encourage you to just find a niche that you might like. Just keep reading different books. If you just like to read cookbooks, read them. You know, if you like the graphic novels, if you like romance, if you like mystery, suspense, whatever you find you like to read, I encourage you to read it and just keep trying because hopefully you'll find something. But I understand that not everyone likes reading. But it's still important that your kids see you reading, even if it is just you reading through the magazine or the newspaper. My kids see my husband doing the crossword puzzles in the newspaper. Like, that's important as well. Whenever uh, I'm reading, my daughter always asks me to read. So if I have my book out, we call it reading time in my house. Now, we do read all day. My son will constantly hand me a book. 
Uh, my daughter is always handing me. Cinderella is the popular one right now. I've read it like four times today. So there's reading throughout our day. There's reading before bed. But I wanted to do a designated reading time during the day so I could read for my book club and it allows her to play and do some manipulative. So I have a designated reading time. It's about 15 minutes a day. It's around lunch, like right after lunchtime. Now that it's warm out, the kids go outside and just play and I sit outside with them and read. Before when it wasn't, um, my son would take his nap. His naps have shifted. My daughter would do some kinesthetic play. This is like... Play-Doh or water beads or puzzles, things like that. And I would read and she would always say, Mommy, read to me. Mommy, read to me. And so I'm sitting here reading whatever my book is for book club, which is, you know, a personal growth book for moms. And I'm reading it to her. And it's just so fun that she sees that and she starts to understand the letters make the words that make the sounds that make the book, right? It's, it's super fun to get to show her that. So how do you find time to read? First up, you know, Think about how many books you want to read. You know, I shared how I broke my goal down. So think about your own goal. If you aren't reading at all, you're going to want to start small. So I always recommend doing a baseline. That's spending some time analyzing what you're currently doing for a behavior that you want to change. This was something we did in special education. We would write individualized education plans or IEPs. And if you have a kid with special needs, then you know what I'm talking about. And based on these IEP goals, we would really try to look at the baseline data and make goals based on that. And that's honestly where I've learned a lot of the stuff that I teach was being a special education teacher. It's just really great practices to help people meet their goals. And so we'd find the baseline. So look, how many books have you read in the past six months? Okay. How many books did you read in the past year? See how far back you can go. And then take a goal and make it that's a little bit of a stretch. So say, for example, you read three books this year. It's the sixth month. Can you double that in these last six months? Can you stretch your goal? So instead of three books, can you read six books in the last six months? That's one book a month. So look at the data, look at the numbers and stretch your goal. You're gonna to wanna to track it so you can create a chart. I uh, have a couple tracking systems I'll share. The one I love the most is Goodreads. If you go over to the show notes at a purposedrivenmom.com slash podcast zero six, you'll get links to everything I talk about, but you'll also be able to connect with me on Goodreads. So come over, send me a request. I love seeing what other people are reading. Goodreads is a super fun app because it's free and you know I like things that are free, so it's absolutely free. You can track your reading. You can make a reading challenge. You get to see what your friends are reading. And also they give suggestions. So if you read three books, they'll be like, oh, because you like this, this, and this, you might also like this. And so you can mark books that you want to read. I get recommended books a ton. I also work at a bookstore, so people are always recommending books. And I always forget them. So what I started to do was go to my Goodreads, find them. You can scan it right on your phone if they have the book. Oh, let me scan that. And you scan it, and then you can just click want to read. So Goodreads is a super fun way to just... I don't know, to start to give yourself some gold stars for your reading. You're going to want to also think about where are the 15-minute chunks that you can read. A lot of us have this picture of reading in these reading routines where we think we have this big comfy chair and our coffee and three hours to just dive in front of the um, fireplace with a book. And I would love that. I would love that. Or I would love to lay on the beach for two hours and just read. I have not ever brought my kids to the beach. My little kids, we've, they've never been to the beach before. This I don't know if we're going this summer. Maybe we'll go this summer. But I can't imagine it being a time where I get to do anything for more than five minutes without having my eyes on them. So, you know, get that picture out of your head and just think, where can I read in 15-minute chunks? 15 minutes is really enough time to read a small chapter. And if you could read a chapter a day, you could finish a book a month. Think about that. 
a chapter a day could be a book a month. Instead of saying, oh, I don't have any time to read. How often do you say that? I don't have any time to read. I'm not going to be able to get this done because I don't have all this free time. But I bet you have 15 minutes. And I'm going to say that over and over and over again because I believe it so much. If you have 15 minutes, you can do anything. You could hit any goal. You just have to use your 15 minutes smarter. Think about all the time that you're wasting throughout the day, scrolling social media, staring off into space. I'm I'm guilty of it as well. I want to start tracking it because I know today alone I probably spent a few hours if I added it all up together scrolling Insta stories. I love Instagram. If you're over on Instagram, come find me at a purpose driven mom. Send me a DM. Tell me to say, hey, I heard you on the podcast and come hang in my stories. Instagram is my favorite platform, but it can be a rabbit hole for me. I just love getting to watch people's stories and listen to what they're doing in their lives, but it can also be a time where I could be reading. So where are your 15 minute chunks? Are you waiting in the car line? Are you um, at the doctor's office? Think about where you could be reading. Try to get some short spurts, especially in the morning, to get your mindset right. So the morning is when I like to get up before my kids. I've been slacking lately in full transparency with that. I don't know what is going on with me, but I feel like my hormones are all over the place. My eating is off, my skin is off, and my sleep is off. So I got to figure it out. But my kids have also been coming in our bed. And we've been having lots of problems with nightmares and molars and all these things. And my daughter just somehow like winds up in my bed at 4 a.m. I'm like, what is, where, where did you come from? So we're really trying to work on that. And because of that, I've not been getting up early, but I need to get back to it. But having time in the morning where you can get your personal growth. And this is when I'll do maybe like a Christian Bible study or a heavier devotional book. You know, not just like a tiny little one that goes with a passage. I read The Power of a Praying Wife. So I did that in January where I would read through that after I did my Bible reading. Took me an extra 10, 15 minutes. So you can find some other like Christian studies or personal growth books that will get your mind going in the morning. And I find that in the mornings I don't do this. I'm cranky. I feel um, just put out. I'm, I'm not in a good mood. So I always try to start my morning that way. I then do a midday reading for myself. This is normally our book club book. So it is currently June when I'm recording this episode. And we are reading The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. In the Purpose of a Mom Club, we pick a focus every month. And so this month is finance. Last month, we read Cultivate by Laura Casey. So we've read a bunch of different things based on our topic. But I'll do that or I'll read like a mom personal growth book. I do this in the middle of the day while they're playing outside and I'm watching them. And it always does the same thing. I like read my mom book and I'm like, oh, yes, mom life is hard. And then I look at them and I get all sappy. And I'm like, look how cute they are. And it kind of gets me in the right mindset to conquer the rest of the day. And midday, honestly, I need a boost. I need something to like get me through. At the end of the night, I like to read fiction before bed. I found that I was scrolling too much on social media and ending the night reading. I don't know. It just put me in a good mood. It relaxed me. It was something for me. It kept me away from the bright lights in my eyes before bed. It helped me sleep better. And it just, it put me in a good mood knowing I was doing something for me. This system of doing 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon, and 15 minutes at night, which I'm not going to lie, the fiction often turned into like an hour. Some nights I would stay up to like midnight reading because I was so into my book. But there are worse problems, right? You could have spent all that time scrolling your social media, you know? So at least I was doing something I really enjoyed. But I found that I was able to average between three and six books a month. So you get through a lot of books when you do that. Some people like to read like a book start to finish. I'm okay with in small chunks because that's just like where my attention span is. But I will say that the one thing I did 
was I gave up television to start 2019 off. In December, I wanted to unwind. I didn't have as many work projects. And so I got into a Netflix binge watching the show Jane the Virgin. And I just wanted like one lazy episode one night. And I got sucked in. And I like completely understand now why people love telenovelas. Because they are just, they're just, they hook you. You can't stop. I was, I couldn't stop watching. And I binged four seasons. This is so embarrassing. Four seasons in a month. I did nothing. As soon as my kids went to bed until almost midnight, I just watched the show. And my productivity was garbage. So when January started, I decided I needed to change. I don't like when anything becomes an obsession or an idol to me um, over God. I found TV was taking up the time. I was saying I don't have time to do my Bible study, but I could watch four hours of TV. You know, I don't like when anything takes over my brain more than what God should be doing in my brain. So I was like, I'm done with this. I need to start release the strongholds the television has on me. So January, I gave up TV. I said, I'm not watching TV at all. And it was hard. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to watch TV. There was a Celebrity Big Brother season that I love. I love Big Brother. So I don't know what's going to happen this summer, but I really like Big Brother. And I wanted to watch Celebrity Big Brother, but it was in January and I missed it. And guess what? I survived. I didn't watch it. I have no idea what happened. By the time it was on on demand in February, I didn't care. And I was over it. But my productivity in January went through the roof. I got so much done. I read so many books and I felt super happy. So then in February, I was like, well, let me scaffold back, right? I went from nothing. Let me add a little in and see how this fits with my productivity and where my mindset is. So then in February, I only watched it on the weekends. Well, in January, I started working at Barnes & Noble. So on the weekends, I'm typically working on Friday. And we have we have two TVs. Dean has one in his bedroom, and we have a main TV, and that's it. We don't have a TV in our bedroom or anything. Uh, even though, honestly, we can just stream. We have Netflix, so, you know, we can just stream that. But, but I was only watching TV on the weekends, and a lot of times I just didn't care. I wanted to spend time with my family. So I watched the Marie Kondo, the tidying up. I really wanted to watch that. And that was about it. In January and March, that's all I watched was the six or eight episodes of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. And I was fine. I felt happier. I was reading more books. I The rest of my day was more productive. I don't keep the TV on during the day. I didn't count like if the kids watched a show as me watching TV, but I really felt a change in my mindset and behavior. Now it's June and I've released the reins a little bit. So the other day I wanted to watch Nailed It on Netflix. That show is so funny. So I binged the whole season at like nine o'clock after the kids went to bed. But guess what? I didn't do any work that night. And guess what I should have been doing? Probably recording an episode or editing or something, you know? And so I find that TV takes me away from my goals. So you don't have to give up TV or anything like that. But try to look at the behaviors that you have and think, huh, what is this taking from my life? Is social media scrolling adding anything to my life? Is this procrastination strategy adding anything? Could I be reading instead? So, you know, use those 15-minute chunks to change some behaviors and get some reading in yourself. Always carry a book with you. I think that's really important as well. Books are super convenient. You can always have one with you, whether you're using an ebook or an e-reader. I don't love it. I love a real book in my hand, but I don't know. There's just something super convenient and something that I love about highlighting. But if I'm at the doctor's office, if I'm in the car line, I would much rather, you know, go through and be intentional and commit. So what I do recommend is deciding those intentional times because honestly, I need to scroll social media sometimes. Like I just need to decompress. And, but I don't need to be scrolling social media every single time I have downtime. If I wake my kids up from nap, they're cranks. Like they take 20 minutes to actually roll out of bed and become talking human beings again. So those 20 minutes, I'm just sitting up in their room like, come on, get up, get up. Like 
straightening up, I'm just scrolling social media. And that's the time I like to do that. So I'm going to let myself do that. But I don't need to do that in the car line. And I don't need to also do that while they're playing. You know, I could be I could be reading. I could be doing things that work for me. And so be intentional. I read a lot when I was breastfeeding because I would have my phone up and what else am I doing? So I would just read through books because it was something that was making me feel good. It was keeping me awake and I was breastfeeding forever. I breastfed both my kids till 19 months. So every time I would nurse, that was my habit trigger. I would say, oops, I'm, I'm going to breastfeed. So instead of going to social media, I would open my Kindle app or Hoopla or Overdrive, which I talked about in um, this episode two, which is on self-care, and I'll link that in the show notes at a purposedrivenmom.com slash podcast zero six. I'll link that so that you can listen to that as well. But I talk about Hoopla and Overdrive and these free library apps. So I would pull one up whenever I was nursing because it would click in my head. Oh, you're breastfeeding? Oh, you should nurse. So you can do the same thing. Oh, you're waiting in the car line? Oh, you should read a book. Oh, you're... Um, making dinner, oh, you could be reading on your on your ebook reader. So, you know, make those habit triggers and say that I'm going to read just a few pages and be okay with it. You can also do audiobooks. I really, really recommend audiobooks. I love them. I think that they're just fabulous way to get reading in. You can use Audible and um, I will link also to my Audible. It will get you a 30-day free trial and two free books. So you go to a purposedrivenmom.com slash audible. Uh, you can download any two free books you want. Scribed is another good one or any of the library apps. So I actually listen to audiobooks at work. I always close. It's just the way of my schedule. I can't go into Barnes & Noble and work until my husband gets home from work. So I work 6 to 10 or 10.30 or however late we're at the store. But the store closes at 9. And so for an hour, we're straightening all the books. The big store, we have to clean everything up. So the first couple nights, I was like, this is really boring. <laughs> like I'm sitting here for an hour. I feel like I'm wasting time. So I started to put my headphones in and I listen to a book. So every time we close, I get an extra hour of either a podcast or an audiobook, And it makes the time go super fast and it allows me to work on my goals at the same time. So you can do this when you're you can do this in the car. You can do this when you're folding laundry. You can do this when you're cooking. Don't underestimate the 10 minutes you could listen to something and how much that will actually add up to equal you finishing books. You know, you can pause. You can speed it up. You could make it faster so that you get through more books. And it beats just having television background noise. Just think about the times when all you have on the background is the TV on the news and how negative you feel. Wouldn't you rather have something better that is entertaining to you. I struggle to listen to audiobooks if they're fiction though. I will say that I stick to audiobooks being like personal growth and development books, parenting books, non-fiction type books. I like my fiction to be actual something I can touch. It's just the way that my brain works. So you'll find what works for you and um, you'll find that you'll have a difference, you know, if you put the right things in your brain. I don't love silence. Nobody really loves their house in absolute silence. I think it freaks people out. But there's power in what we put in our brains. And there is a big difference when you have the TV on as background noise and when you're listening to a positive podcast or book. So start to make those shifts in your family. And you'll see other people do it too. My husband listens to a ton of podcasts now. We often will have like Alexa playing K-Love Radio, which is Christian worship music, or a podcast playing. We've really started to decrease the amount of TV just for background noise. I feel like if the TV is on, it's because someone's actually watching it. We don't have TV on as background noise anymore. And it's just changed the environment and the routines in our home. Okay, we're going to switch gears. We've talked about how you can create the routine. I wanted to focus on you first. And now we're going to talk about how to create that habit and routine of reading in your home with your kids. 
Read-alouds are one of the best ways to do this. When you read a book aloud to a kid, and this happens a lot if you have little kids, you're reading tons of picture books. I'm sure they're handing you books if you have them in your home at all times. When they get older, though, we sometimes stop reading to them, and I'm guilty of it as well. I actually found a podcast. It's called The Read Aloud Revival, and again, I'll link it in the show notes. It's fabulous, and it really encouraged me to do read-alouds not only with my younger kids, because I honestly thought they were too young for chapter books, but then I listened to this podcast, and I was like, oh, no, they're not. We can definitely listen do um, some chapter books, and I wasn't doing anything with my with Dean, and it's something I'm still working on, figuring out how to get that routine, because He's 12 now, and at this point, if something hasn't been a routine, it is difficult to change the way your family's run for 12 years, but it's not too late. So I'm telling myself this as well, even though we've never done read-alouds, even though it's not a norm, it still can be, right? It still can be. I mentioned in the other episode about like a family devotional wasn't something we've done, but it doesn't, I'm not going to give up on it. I'm going to keep trying to make it happen. So reading aloud to your kids is super important. It allows them to hear fluent reading. It allows them to explore different genres they might not pick up on their own. Reading aloud is not the time to teach reading skills. It's not the time to mess up words. It's the time for them to hear the way people talk. It's the time for you to do inflections and change your voice when you're doing dialogue to show them that dynamic. It's where you get to model what good reading sounds like. But don't get scared away when you're picking books. Kids have a listening comprehension and a reading comprehension. So reading comprehension is what they can actually read. Now you might be thinking, I have a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a four-year-old. They don't read yet. Well, neither do my littles, but I still read to them because their listening comprehension is higher. I remember when I was teaching, we would do all these tests and we would get to see their reading and their listening comprehension. And it was incredible to see. I would have high school seniors in my class on maybe a third grade reading comprehension level but their listening comprehension was college level or 11th grade or something like that. So you can read things that are above their, quote, actual reading level because they will be able to understand it. Now, you obviously want to go through and you want to make sure that the topic is appropriate, that they have simple sentences, that, um, you know, when, when you're doing it with your little kids, you want it to have simple sentences. You want it to not have a lot of, like, nuances and idioms and hyperboles and things like that because they just don't pick it up they don't they don't understand sarcasm so you want to just be really careful and you also just want to make sure that it's a content that's appropriate for that age that they will understand but it's a great way when you're reading aloud to them to help find something that your kids are going to like let them pick them out try different books make a list of what they liked and what they didn't like authors they liked and they didn't like so you can explore things you could do this after dinner You could do it during breakfast. If your kids are eating breakfast, you could be reading to them. You could do it while they're playing outside or, you know, before bed. I would sit and do our read-alouds outside when my kids are playing, and it doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look like them sitting there crisscross applesauce with their hands folded staring at me as I read. They'd be playing with their toys or building a Lego tower or something, and they'll still listen. I remember doing this when we first got our sandbox in the backyard. All the kids were playing in the sandbox, including the 12-year-old, and I was reading one of our chapter books, and he was totally into it as well. And it was just because I wasn't making him sit and stare at me like we were at school. It was just a fun part of what we were doing. They were playing, and I read for 10 to 15 minutes, okay? So get rid of the expectations of what you want it to look like, and just know that it's going to be a little different. There's also going to probably be some differences depending on your kids, boys versus girls. Ariana, my daughter, she can sit. She would actually sit for almost an hour sometimes, and we would just read back to back to back. 
Whereas my son, I don't think he would sit that long. So let them engage with the text. Let them be a part of it. When you're looking at the types of books you want to be reading to your kids or exposing your kids to, it depends on their age. But you're going to want to look for things that are just appropriate and engaging, big pictures, things that really pull them in. Even older kids like things with pictures and graphics. Why graphic novels are so popular because they allow kids to use context clues, which is the pictures and the words around it, to understand and make meaning. So with infants, you want to do repeated reading. This is one of the earliest signs of literacy and reading is when the kids start to pick up what you're reading. So if you've ever read a book to your kid and they finish the sentence, or we have a book and it has animals on it and my son will say, before I say the word cow, he'll say cow, cow, moo, moo. Like he knows that that's what comes next. And this happened with Ariana. We were reading Old Hat, New Hat. It's super cute. It's a, I think this is a Berenstain Bears. I don't think it's a Dr. Seuss. I think it's Berenstain Bears. And, uh, and she could read it. She could read the words back. Now, she wasn't actually reading them with her, eye, you know, with her eyes and her reading skills, but she had repeated reading. That's a huge literacy skill. And the more that you read the books, the more predictable it is, the more the kids start to make meaning. In the very beginning, all you want them to understand is that the letters make the words, that make the sounds, that make the story, okay? That's how it's created. Those are great skills. But we also talk about this is the author. She writes the book. And this is the illustrator. He draws the pictures. Here is the title. Those are important literacy skills. When we read, we read from left to right. We start at, this is the front of the book. Hey, where is the back of the book? Oh, no, let's read from the front of the book. You know, those are all good things you can start doing with babies who are one years old and up. When you are reading as well to smaller kids, you're going to want to point to the words as you read. You don't have to do this with like the longer read alouds because that would be really boring for you. <laughs> but when you're doing picture books, point to the words. Again, it allows them to make that meaning behind words, what you're saying, and the pictures in the book. When you're doing chapter books with younger kids, you also want to make sure you look for things that have a picture on each page, simple language, simple dialogue. Some of our favorite current series are Mercy Watson. I love this little pig. It's so cute. Um, Mouse and Mole and Princess in Black. Those are some of our top reads right now. This might change, but we try to read other ones. We read um, Amelia Bedelia, and her language was just too confusing for my daughter at three and a half. She didn't pick up on the different nuances in Amelia Bedelia's languages and how she doesn't understand things. She just thought it was silly, which was good, but I, want, I wanted this read aloud to serve the purpose of modeling fluent reading. I didn't want it to be a place where she was like laughing and enjoying it because she was reading it herself. She didn't know what she was laughing at. So you want it to be something where they're like, oh, I understand this is what good reading sounds like. I mean, they're not going to say that, but that's the point of the read aloud, right? And you don't want to still expose them to those types of things. But I don't know, when they're little like that, I would say keep it as simple as possible. It was the same with um, Mrs. Noodle Kugel. Those books are super adorable. But in one of the series, there was a little cat and he talked in slang. And I didn't want to read it because I was like, I don't want to confuse her. This is where she's learning the development. We'll read it in a year, you know, but right now, plain language. I also try to stay away from sass because my kids are sassy and I try to limit that amount of backtalk or mean. We had gotten a book from our neighbor. It was the Owl Diaries series. And Ariana thinks it's cute, but one, I think the concept of the the owls writing in a diary is confusing for her. Like it doesn't make much sense. The pictures are really good though. She likes them. But in it, there's like another owl that's mean and the little girl's like mean to the other girl. I don't want to read books like that. So I always check them out beforehand. Also, just make sure you're using your library. Our library lets you take out like 100 things at a time. So I let her pick out as many books as she wants and we take them home. 
The same with the older kids, though. Take them to the library. Let them pick things. I know Barnes & Noble, we have a summer reading challenge for kids up to sixth grade. If they read eight books, they get a free book at the end of the summer. Search programs like that. I don't think they still make Book It. Do they make Book It? Do you know? You remember Book It and you'd get to go to Pizza Hut and get your little dinosaur cup? I loved Book It. I thought it was the best. But, you know, find things that will incentivize the older kids to read as well. But let them read what they want. I remember a mom that came into work and she was loudly like in front of him saying he won't read anything he just wants these darn captain underpants and i want him to read a real book well captain underpants is a real book to him and he really likes it so encourage whatever they want uh if they like reading it buy a bunch of it or let them get it from the library to make sure they really like it before you buy a bunch of it but don't pressure your older kids make it fun but encourage them to do silent reading but also encourage them to read aloud because reading aloud helps with fluency when an older kid reads aloud to themselves when you read aloud to yourself same deal you're understanding more all right so today's episode is actually getting a lot longer than i planned uh i knew this from the beginning i am long-winded so i need to cut episodes i think and i have a whole section here i want to talk about with how to teach your kid to read but i'm going to make that a separate podcast episode because it's really in-depth and there's a lot of things you can do with that but i do want to just encourage you to create this culture of reading in your home. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to fill your home with books. You can go to Goodwill, you can go to consignment, you can host book swaps with friends of yours. You know, expose them to books, just get them in the library, make that a part. Once a week, we go to the library. That's just something we do, and it's just part of our norm. So don't feel like you have to spend a ton of money to create this culture of reading, just get started. Make it fun, have them do a book journal, find activities to enhance your books. There are so many teachable moments this summer that you can use as things come up. Find a book for it, right? If something comes up and a kid asks a question, we we tend to be like, oh, there might be a documentary or a movie on this. Find the book. Find a book first for it. You know, be intentional about creating a routine and a habit of reading in your home, but make it joyful. If you can tell that you're you know, really pulling everybody along and everyone's struggling, change things up a little bit. I had to call myself on this because I feel like I was putting way too much pressure on my stepson with reading, and I'm trying to think of a different approach this summer. Be self-reflective, but let it be joyful. Don't force something on them. It's not going to work. Give them some choice. You can say things like, all right, it's reading time now. You can read whatever you want. Don't say you must read this book unless, like, their school has a book they have to read. Try to let them have choice in it and make it fun. I want to encourage you to head over to the show notes today at a purposedrivenmom.com slash podcast zero six. I have a lot of links and things I talked about. I also have a link for you where you can sign up for a free challenge on how to balance your priorities. If you're listening to me and you're thinking, I don't know how I'm supposed to find time to read, even after you gave all these tips, head over, sign up for the free challenge. There's three videos that will help you figure out what's most important to you. And also make sure you go over and you get that link for Audible. If you've never used it, you get a 30-day free trial and two free books. So thank you again for tuning in today. There will be a follow-up episode on teaching your kid to read and how to get started with that type of routine. My kids go to traditional school. I don't homeschool, but when they were younger, I did some taught school activities before she went to preschool. And like I mentioned, I have my background in reading. So I have a lot of information I could share with you. And so I'll do a separate episode if that's something you're interested in. But go ahead, read. I'd love to know what you're reading. So find me on Goodreads. Tell me what you're reading. Give me some book recommendations. I'm always down for some good book recommendations. And if you don't know where to start, you DM me on Instagram at a purpose driven mom and I will help you find a book that you love. I'll give you some of my favorite recommendations. 
Make sure you take a screenshot today of you listening to today's episode. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it, tag me on Instagram so I can share it to my story. And please go over, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. And please give it a rating and a review. I would really appreciate it. And I hope today you got some inspiration and some motivation to create a a culture in your home that revolves around the importance of reading and just gives you more joy. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you were able to get some tips to just parent with more intentionality. Make sure you head over to Facebook and join our private Facebook community group. Just search A Purpose Driven Mom and it'll come up. You can also go to apurposedrivenmom.com slash podcast and you will have access to every single podcast, all the show notes, all the links, all the freebies and all the goodies that I have for you. Thank you again for being a part of the community and I would love and appreciate it if you head over and gave a five-star rating and review. It allows us to find other purpose-driven moms, have an impact on them, and I would love to feature you as the reviewer of the week. Thanks again, and have an amazing day.